Jesus was walking with his disciples. And they noticed a man who was blind. And they asked Jesus, is this man blind because his parents sinned or did he sin? And Jesus said, neither, but that the glory of God might be seen in him. Well, he healed this man of blindness. And the Pharisees were upset because Jesus did this on the Sabbath. And so they questioned this man. And the second time they questioned him, he answered. And the man said, um, whether he's a sinner, speaking of Jesus, or not, I don't know. All I know that I was blind, and now I can see. The sermon series these last few weeks have been the opportunity for we pastors to describe to you what it's like to realize that we were blind, but because of the power and grace of God, we can now see. And it's my honor to share with you my testimony of God's faithfulness. And if there's anything that you hear tonight, I want you to hear that the transforming grace of God can break through any circumstance. That his power to save is amazing. And if you're listening here tonight or within the sound of my voice, and you are not a believer and you're on the outside looking in wondering what the, these words of grace are, are all about and could God dare to give me the gift of eternal life. I want you to hear so clearly tonight that the God who made many of us see can make you see as well. I invite you to turn to John chapter 14. This is a passage that God used to bring me to faith and keep me in faith because my testimony continues. It's not over yet. God is still forming me and teaching me about his transforming grace. Listen, if you will, to John chapter 14. I'm reading from the New King James Version. The, the writer of the Hebrews said that uh, in the past God spoke through prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us through his son. The son is speaking, so listen to what God says. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes 
to the Father except through me. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God and loving Father, thank you so much for giving us your word. As I share my testimony tonight, please let us see the power of your grace. Use your word to either strengthen those of us who already trust in you or teach those who have not yet that you still forgive sins. Open our eyes and allow us to see wonderful truth in your law. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'd like for us to think about two things tonight, trouble and transformation. Trouble and transformation. I'm gonna spend time on verse one and verse six. Our text starts tonight don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust God. Trouble for the disciples in this case came because Jesus had just finished announcing that he would leave them. And he was preparing them for his death and the fact that they would be alone. They didn't know this yet, but in chapter 15, Jesus would say that um, they could do nothing without him. I'm going away, and yet you can do nothing without me. I can understand why they would be troubled by that. I'm going to share with you my testimony and why I was troubled as well. My trouble started when I was uh, born in Washington, D.C. I tried to look up the neighborhood that I was born in, but there are several reasons why I, I can't do that. I, I was raised in foster care, so I don't know a whole lot about my family history. I do know that I have a twin brother, and uh, his name is Kent Andrew McCurd. And my name is Kenneth Anthony McCurd. We recently had our birth certificates, uh, copies of our birth certificates sent to us, and we discovered that we have no legal middle name. It is simply Kent McCurd and Kenneth McCurd. And the reason we were named similarly, my brother was very ill when he was born. And the nurses didn't know that he would survive. And so they named us close to each other just in case one died, the name would go on. But that for me was not trouble. I was raised in a, in a foster home in Alexandria, Virginia. And I stayed in that home for 18 years. If you know anything about the foster care system, you know that uh, you're—we uh, used to call it—you go through recertification, but it was really you go to a social worker, and they would uh, make sure that you were okay in that home and decide whether or not you'd you'd stay in that home. 
And for 18 years, we did that, but we were given a message by our foster mother not to cause any trouble because she was the only one who loved us or wanted us. And I have to tell you, that for me was not trouble. That was normal. That was our life. A little while ago, I preached a sermon here and told you about a teacher who said something pretty awful. But what I didn't tell you was, I, I told myself things that were way uh, more awful than she could ever say because of the shame that I had. But that still was not trouble. Do you know what trouble came for me? Trouble came for me in a Sunday school class. Uh, we always went to school, uh, to on church. My uh, foster mother always made sure that we'd go to church. And whenever people sleep now or yawn or go like this, uh, I, I remember that I was one of those kids that slept and yawned and went like this. I hated church. And in Sunday school, I, I didn't particularly like Sunday school, but on this particular day, I was looking at the little kids in class and I said, um, why can't I have a family like them? That's how it started. And here begins the trouble. And uh, I assumed because they were in church and they had a mom and a dad that everything was okay. And as I was thinking about them, I, I thought, why can't I be a part of God's family? And there's the trouble. Because I thought that in order to be part of God's family, you had to be a part of somebody else's family. And God paid attention to that. And I sat in that Sunday school room and I said, there is no way anybody would ever want us, my brother and I. So how could we be a part of God's family? There's no way. Now my mind was going through this. And do you know that uh, there are often times when God will break through your thoughts and he broke through my thoughts and I heard my Sunday school teacher say, Jesus, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And God used those verses to transfer, transform me from a child who looked from the outside in, wondering why he could not be a part of the family of God, to one with hope that if Jesus is the only way, maybe I can trust as well. I don't know what kind of trouble you have. I don't know what kind of lies you've said to yourself or allowed on the evil one's servant to convince you in your heart and tell you that you are as far away from God that you could ever be. Or there's a God who can't love you. I want you to hear what the Lord said to me 
over 50 years ago, uh, excuse me, 40 years ago, I'm not that mature, 40 years ago, that he is the only way, the truth, and the life. The way. That Jesus said that he was a way tells us that he was the only avenue to God. That there was no other way that we can come to the Lord Jesus. And I know that that is disturbing for some, that this exclusive statement is something, why, why couldn't other people come to Christ? You know, there was a man in scripture, his name was Saul. He was a Pharisee and it was his uh, job, he thought, to get rid of people of the way. People of the way were believers in Jesus Christ. One uh, theologian put it this way, Saul traveled on the way to Damascus against the way, yet he was stopped on the way to join the way. And that is the power of Christ Jesus. The very person who would say Jesus Christ is not the only way was stopped in his tracks with Christ himself revealing that he indeed is the only way to the Father. And that day, in that Sunday school class, the Lord lifted a tremendous weight from my shoulders, and I realized for the first time that entrance into the kingdom of God is not by heritage or family history. It's not even if you felt you're wanted. It's through the power of Christ and he is mighty to save. Jesus said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. Prior to that Sunday school class, there were two other churches that I attended growing up. The first church was a neighborhood church. And in this church, the minister of that church was um, was going through a very difficult time. His, his daughter committed suicide, and he was embittered, um, but he still kept the church going. There was a point where, where the only people attending the church was my twin brother, myself, and uh, my sister, who grew up in the same um, foster home. And we all had jobs in that church. My job was to, I was the head usher, so I made sure people stayed in their seats. There were nobody else in church, so my job was easy. I, I don't remember what my brother or sister did. It was some menial thing. I had the most important job, and that was, that was uh, important to me. But I learned in that church that God was not real. I thought it was a game. Well, that, that pastor finally decided to close the church, so we went to another church. And, and in this other church, there was a pastor who um, believed that people should give everything that they owned, I think, to the church so that he could get rich and tell them um, that if you just have more faith, that God would bless you too. 
And it was a church where he was known to be a man who preached one thing and lived another thing. And so I thought that God was not honest. And if God would let that go on, what kind of God could he be? And yet the Bible says that Jesus Christ says he's not a truth or he's not like the truth. He is the truth. And I declare to you that the truth means that Jesus Christ is whole, firm, solid, that he is a man of integrity. And by God's grace, God allowed me to be a part of that church in that Sunday school class where that Sunday school class was to, uh, to see that there were men and women who believed in a holy God and tried their best to live a life to reflect that. I want you to know parents and adults and whether you're married or single, there's many children who watch you. Um, I never said anything to an, to an adult growing up in that church, but I always watched them because I wanted to see what they were like. And because they were men and women, they weren't perfect, but they were men and women who believed that God had standards and that he loved them and that they wanted to live a life that was pleasing in his sight. That taught me that God is a God of truth. And he was worthy of worship. Um, there were many lies in my life. Um, my um, birth mother gave us up when we were in, um, in the hospital, and I was always told she gave us up because she didn't want us. And I found out at her funeral um, that uh, she did want us. As a matter of fact, I remember two times when she, uh, she took us from our foster home and was walking down the street with us, and we were told that she was an evil woman, stay away from her, and so we let her know she was an evil woman and stay away from us. And all she wanted was her kids because we weren't told the truth. But I, I can tell you that God will never lie to you. He is always honest. He is always faithful. He is always just. There, uh, let me tell you one way that God can redeem um, what the evil one tries to destroy. Uh, to my knowledge, I have uh, two brothers and three sisters. I've met all of my sisters. I know my twin brother, but there's one brother I've not met yet. His name is Joseph. I have no clue. He, uh, I don't know his last name. I don't know anything uh, about him except this. Uh, that he's a minister of the gospel as well. And it was God's grace that would allow my brother and I and my brother Joseph 
out of very difficult circumstances to be ministers of the gospel, convincing people that you can trust God. God is a God of truth. And then lastly, God is a God of life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I want you to know that life there means that Jesus is the one who teaches us how to really live. To really live. My foster father would have nothing to do with us. My birth father would hang around just a little while. I remember that he would hang around with us um, because he wanted to get to know my foster mother. And when my foster mother told him in no uncertain terms that she was not interested in him, he stopped coming around. My foster father uh, wanted to teach us how to be real men, my brother and I. And so he said this, in order to be a real man, a real man has a lot of money in his pocket. He drives a Cadillac and he has women on the side. That's a real man. And so I looked at people who lived lives that were desperate, deceitful, and full of shame and thought that that was really life. And Jesus teaches us that real life comes from him. He teaches us to live in a way that, where there's no shame. He teaches us to live in a way where there's no regret. He teaches us to live in a way where what is painful is turned into examples of God's incredible redemptive grace. In families that are broken, he teaches us how to be restored again. God is a God of incredible light. In Psalm 37, um, the psalmist says, Psalm 37, 25 said, I have been young and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his children begging bread. God in his mercy gave me a life in which, even though things weren't easy, he never caused me to have to beg bread. And he always brought people into my life, men into my life, who would encourage me and help me and erase the damage of my birth father and father. By God's grace, I had a man named Pastor Foster from Christian Fellowship Baptist Church who taught me how to be a preacher. He would take my brother and I to uh, the Central Union Gospel Mission and we would preach for 15 minutes and he'd spend 25 minutes tearing down our sermon. But it was a wonderful time. And he loved us. And he shepherded us. God gave me a man named Mr. Murphy, a big man. He was a, um, he was a manager in a supermarket, and he was our youth leader. And he loved my brother and I. And then he gave me Mike Alford, who is my mentor now. And he's a minister, a PCA minister who's retired now, 
but he, uh, he's my father in the faith. God constantly showed me through these men what real life is like. Isaiah 43, 1 spoke to the last need that I had and that I still have. Isaiah 43, 1 says, But now says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I thought real life meant that I would have an identity in a family where I would have the same last name as a mother and a father. But God said that I'm his, and he knows me by name. And he went farther than that. He gave me a family. He gave me a family who shares my last name. He gave me a wife. He gave me a daughter and a son. Those who say that they are mine and I am theirs. All because of the grace of God. Life for me was a struggle of belonging that was met in Jesus Christ. I do an awful lot of smiling. And I, I, I've never told anybody why I smile so much, but I'm going to tell you. I smile because I know that I'm my father's son. And I have an identity in Jesus Christ that nobody can take away. Circumstances can't take it away. A loss of a job can't take it away. I am known by God and I am his. When I die, I'll be in the presence of God because Jesus is the only way to the Father. In this life, I have joy and significance because Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And no one remains in fellowship with the Father, in relationship with the Father, except through him. Our God is amazing. Shall we pray? Father, as, as, we, uh, as we begin this sacrament of the Lord's Supper in just a few moments, we will be confronted with the fact that Jesus is body was broken for us and his blood was shed for us. And thank you, Father, for the truth of that joy. Thank you for teaching us, O oh God, that Christ is the only way, the truth, and the only life that leads to a relationship with the Father. 
Thank you for that, O oh God. And I pray that if there's anyone here tonight that have not yet acknowledged that you've died for them, would you please give them the gift of faith the way you gave it to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.